got some good news. The best is yet to come. Amen? He is the one who was and is and is to come. Jesus is coming soon. And I was just sitting there meditating on that, and then that slide that we saw started saying that. And then I kept watching this slide, and I thought, I don't even have to preach. All right, so no worries. That's what we're going to get into today, and, and the, the, the road, the Lord was kind of just leading me down this week, led right to here, so I believe it's for someone. I know for a fact it's for me, because I actually had to kind of live this out this week. I, I feel like at some level I have to live this verse, these verses we're going to go through uh, on a regular basis, but Pastor Chad taught me that you can do a message with just two verses a couple weeks ago. So I've seen it done. So we're going to try that today. All right. So um, just hold tight and we'll get right into it. I'm going to read a, a quote from Corey Tenboom. It says, Worrying does not empty tomorrow of its troubles, it empties today of its strength. Does that make sense to anybody? Worry does not empty tomorrow of its troubles, it empties today of its strength. And I think we can all attest to that. And, and um, this past week, like I kind of alluded to, I've had a lot of opportunities to be anxious and worry. And um, I know I'm not alone in that, right? You guys are alive. If you're alive, you have that opportunity, right? It's a temptation and it's an opportunity every day. Um, but I was recently just part of that had to do with um, at work. I've, I've done the same kind of role uh, for the last eight years that I'm doing. And they finally made it like official. They just basically switched me from one group to another group. And for not my job isn't changing. My, I do the same things all the time. So there's nothing to be thrown off about, right? Yeah, I would think so. In my head, I got this anxiety attack. I shouldn't say attack. I had to resist an anxiety attack. I started getting all weirded out in my head and, and worry tried to come in and anxiety and fear of maybe the unknown or whatever because I, I do have a new boss, but I've known this guy for a long time. He's a great guy where I would consider him somewhere between a coworker and a friend, you know, somewhere in there. But great team of people I'm getting into. I know them all. And I'm like, why is this happening? But I had to purposefully, willfully resist the temptation to give in to that anxiety and worry that had zero rationality behind it. There's nothing rational about this. And that's what worry and anxiety and fear usually is. It's completely irrational. So I won the battle. I made it through. And everything's good, and I was uh, welcomed on board this week, so everything was fine. But um, it's actually, if anything, things are going to be a little bit better for me because I'm not under the rules and regulations of certain certain things that kind of held me in uh, a little captive as far as my schedule goes. So I'm a little more more free, a little loosey goosey, as they say, right? So that's my personality, loosey goosey. So, anyways, how about you? You got any? Uh, have you ever had temptations to worry and? Get anxious? Never, never. Once a day, once an hour, once who knows. But yeah, this world's pretty crazy. I know we got all kinds of stuff to be tempted with worrying about. We got your AIs, we got your bug factories that they want to feed you bugs with, and all that stuff, you know. And then, uh, you know, 
then somebody's favorite uh, Chat, Chatsworth Osborne Jr. got fired this week. If you don't know who that is, you're not a true Rush Limbaugh fan. So anyways, um, so just there's a lot of stuff happening in the world. And I, I'm not going to go into all that because then I'll start tempting you to worry. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be the enemy's, uh, the enemy's uh, partner in that. So I'm not going to list off all that. But no, I'm gonna, we're going to look at um, the scripture today. We're going to get into Philippians 4, and um, we're going to see what God says about worry. And if you were paying attention to the opening slide, it pretty much covered everything. So I might say a few more things, but, but here we go. So we're going to start, actually, I'm going to back up a little bit, and we're going to go into Proverbs 12. Proverbs 12. Proverbs 12.25 in the New Living Translation says, Worry weighs a person down. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. Well, this makes sense, doesn't it? It's pretty clear. Well, there's, when I was reading over this verse, and I usually you know, jump around a few different translations, there was a footnote, or whatever you would refer to it as, in the Passion Translation. There's a little thing that I click on, and it expounds on things. So whatever you want to call that, I think it's a footnote. So it said something interesting says the insightful this insightful proverb can be translated stop worrying think instead of what brings you gladness our focus must never be on what we can't change but on the everlasting joy we have in Christ sometimes we have to find the life-giving word of encouragement rising up in our hearts this is the secret of finding perpetual Encouragement by the word that lives in us. So I'm going to get into that word that lives in us. But remember in the Old Testament, David and his army and all that, how it's the account where basically the bad people came in and took all their wives and kids and everybody wanted to kill David. Well, in this account, David had to encourage himself in the Lord. And... Um, do we, do we, we need to learn how to do the same. Now, his situation was extremely dire. I mean, it was, I don't know that we've ever actually been in that situation. I'm sure we haven't. But um, that was pretty rough. But how do we do that? How do we, in those moments of extreme anxiety, worry that we're going to get into today, and when you're just more down than down can be, how do we do that? How do we step into and have the resolve to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Well, we are going to get into that right now. Um, but going back to the end of that little footnote, it talked about this is the secret of finding perpetual encouragement by the word that lives in us. The best way is to sow the word in our heart. So we've learned, we talk about that all the time. I actually preached on that a few weeks ago about the importance of sowing the incorruptible seed of the word of God in our heart, then that it would take root and actually produce a harvest, produce fruit in our life. And Holy Spirit, part of His job, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, is to lead us into all truth. Right? The Word of God is truth. So it is vital that we sow His Word into our heart, that truth into our heart, so it takes root, so it produces fruit, and guess what? When you come to those 
points in life that you're just like, ah, I don't know what to do. Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance that truth that was sown into your heart. And He'll lead you into that truth. He will remind you. How many have ever been in that situation where it seemed to come out of nowhere, but it definitely came out of somewhere. It came out of your spirit by Holy Spirit. Bringing it up to reminding of you who you are in Christ maybe. Reminding you that the victory has been won in this, this area, this arena of your life. Don't worry. Don't fret. You're okay. Just rest in Him. Rest in His truth. Have we experienced that at any level? I know I have. It seems because it seems to come out of nowhere, but um, it is Holy Spirit bringing back to our remembrance those things that we have sown in our heart of that word of truth that we've we've heard. So let's get right into Philippians four. We're gonna just go like one thing at a time here. So Philippians four six. We're gonna cover six and seven today. So the first thing it says, don't worry about anything. All right. Looks like everybody's got that down. Should we go on? Okay. So this this scripture is something, I think maybe 30 years ago or something, I was like, I just got in this thing where I was trying to memorize scripture or whatever. And this was one of the first, this is like the first one I think that I, I memorized. I thought, this is this seems pretty important. I'll do this one. But... um. It's one that kind of stuck with me, and this is, we're, we're reading out of the New Living Translation this morning, and, and um, a lot of other translations you're familiar with says, be anxious for nothing, right? So anything, says don't worry about anything, anything equals everything, right? Anything excludes nothing. So it kind of covers everything, right? So you can't get out of this. You're, in the, you're painted into a corner here, so I apologize. But we're not even supposed to worry about Tomorrow. Why would you worry about tomorrow? You're not there yet. So let's read that. Matthew 6.34 in the voice. I like the way it says this. It says, so do not worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. I didn't even know days could worry. Let tomorrow worry about itself. So the bottom line here is you don't worry about it. It says living faithfully is a large enough task for today. And that's very true. The word says the just shall live by faith, right? Full confidence, full assurance, full trust in God because he is our loving father. So we live by faith. So I guess my first question is, is it possible to do this that we're reading in Philippians 4.6? Don't worry about anything. Is it possible? I think it is because it's in the Bible. Paul wrote this under inspiration of Holy Spirit. So what God instructs us in, He empowers us to walk out. Right? Grace is not only, one definition is unmerited favor. We're very familiar with that, right? But it's also a supernatural empowerment to walk out a righteous, holy life in God. To walk out a life of obedience to what God is saying to us in His Word. I, I, if I try to remember this definition, I'll, I think I can do it. But I heard it first brought up by a John Bevere. Grace, another definition, is the influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. So, in a nutshell, it's that supernatural enablement to walk out that 
what's in you in Christ, who you are in Christ, is manifested on the exterior. It's, a, it's, it's the influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Look it up in the Strong's, you'll find it. All right, so this is possible to do. Okay, I've heard Pastor Chad say this just in casual conversation. Yeah, but how? Yeah, but how, right? Like, this sounds great, but how do I do this? Okay, let's find out. So let's continue reading in the, in the next part of this verse 6. So, instead, pray about everything. Are you getting to see why I was excited about that opening slide yet? A little bit? All right, so instead, pray about everything. Pray about everything. So, prayer should not be our last resort. Unfortunately, a lot of times, even me, yeah, I, it doesn't come up first, but it should be our first instinct, not... I've heard people jokingly say in stories or whatever, like, you know, that somebody's going through a tragedy or a, a real hard trial, and they've done everything they know to do, and like, well, I guess all there is left to do is pray. Has it come to that? Well, it should have came to that first, right? So it's funny, but not funny, right? So instead of worrying that that opening verse 6 said, telling us to pray about everything. Everything. You don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. It's one and the same. So praying is what? Just conversing with God. Talking with God. And guess what? I have good news. He's not worried. Isn't that good? You ever get in a situation where I do this or I've done this at work. I had my previous boss He's a very kind of even keel kind of guy. Just kind of like a big grizzly bear. <laughs> but he's just like real mellow. And I'll, I've come to him with issues in the past and kind of like gone off the rails and I don't know what I'm going to do and blah, blah. And he's just like super calm. And just through the conversation or through that interaction, I find myself calming down. Because he's not bowing to my whatever I'm going through or, or whatever I'm experiencing. He's trying to like set the atmosphere, I think, without me realizing it. But this doesn't happen much, but it, it was notable when I was going through this that when you're around somebody who's calm and controlled and you may be out of control and they're refusing to enter into your whatever that is, you start almost reflecting maybe subconsciously and realizing what you're doing is kind of irrational. And, and you're allowing fear and worrying. Is that, this is kind of common sense. I realize I don't have to tell you this, but I just, that's just something I noticed. And, and that's what it's about is going to God. When you, whether it's something small or minute or something you know massive, He's not worried about it. And He wants you to come in and rest in Him and learn His ways. His yoke is easy and His burden is light, we're told, right, in Matthew? So instead of worrying, we're to talk to God. It's as simple as that. And uh, we all, I think, that what's that, that uh, expression, misery loves company? Sometimes you want people to worry with you. Come on, we got to do this. we got to... 
you know, whatever, whether you're picking somebody apart or whatever, you want you want company in your misery, and uh, and that's and that's not the the best way to go because it doesn't result in, in good stuff. So, the Lord does something other than worry when the world gets crazy. So, God doesn't worry. What does He do? Well, Psalm two it talks about why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain. Let's see what God does when they do that. He who sits in the heavens laughs. Well, that's opposite of what you would think is normal. The Lord holds them in derision. Does anybody know what derision means? I'm going to tell you if you don't. Derision is the act of ridiculing or laughing at someone or something. Subjection to ridicule or mockery. Contempt manifested by laughter or scorn. I want to see God do that. <laughs> I don't know if he's like, look at those idiots down there. I don't know if he does that because he is love, right? But this scripture is pretty interesting. So God laughs. So how should we approach and react to these things, these same things in our own little spheres, you know? I was in conversation with somebody a couple weeks ago, a family member and and, uh, you know, politics shows up in conversations pretty regularly and stuff, and especially depending on who you're talking to. But you know, they were kind of just kind of venting, sharing. You know, they were a little, their anxiety was a little high in certain areas. And I'm like, well, I was like, yeah, it's pretty crazy stuff. I was like, but there's a psalm, Psalm 2. And I read this, and I just read it to her. And she's like, that's really good. You should send that to me. I'm going to share that with my friends. This is good. I'm like, I'm his kid. If he's laughing, why wouldn't I laugh? If he cares for me more than I care for myself, like, I'm not going to allow that stuff to get, get all up in my, you know, in my head. So, I'm not saying it's not a temptation, but it was an interesting thing, like, to go play that out and then the lights turned on for her, and she was just like, man, that's so true. I was like, yeah, we got a good God. And he just laughed at this whole big mess because the best is yet to come, right? So, anyways, um, so pride in the world, if you were to take it all and put it in a nutshell, pride is on display in an extreme way worldwide. Right? Man thinks he's God. They have prayed. Right? Isn't that interesting? Yep, pride prayed. So, that's the common thread. And what does the word say? Pride comes before a fall. I feel like we're in store for a gigantic fall. I just, this is just me thinking. But, uh, yeah, whenever that is. But it's, it's interesting. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. So, let's get, let's get back to praying about everything and, and uh, get on to, to the rest. So, Romans 8.26 says, The Spirit... Helps us in our weakness. So you might think, I don't know how to pray about this. I don't know what to do. I don't know, ma'am, you're in a place of indecision. Well, this verse is great right here. I hope this encourages your heart. <clears throat> Romans 8.26, I just said, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. That's, that can be include your, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to, how to pray. It says, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groaning, 
which cannot be uttered. And again, I'm going to go back to a footnote I saw in the Passion. I'm really going to I'm going to attempt this word, this Greek word. I see Pastor Chad attempts a lot of words, so I'm going to do it. Those are English words. <laughs> I want to take it a notch higher. So there's a footnote in the Passion Translation that talks about this intercession of Holy Spirit. It says it's Hooper er and tug ano. That's all. That's the only time I'm going to try that. All right. I, I believe it. That was not tongues, but if you want to interpret it. So the interpretation of that is best translated super or hyper intercede for us. And in our day and age, that's kind of a neat word. Hyper intercession. So Holy Spirit hyper intercedes for us. He hyper intercedes for us. Super intercedes for us. We can only imagine how many blessings have poured into our lives because of the hyper intercession of Holy Spirit for us. If anything encourages you, that should encourage you. You have someone who lives on the inside of you that knows everything about everything that raised Jesus from the dead. He was the power that raised Jesus from the dead. He was the one hovering over the face of the deep when God spoke and everything we see, right? He's in you, and guess what? He's super hyper interceding for you. You're not alone. You're not alone. You and God are a majority, and God lives in you. So be encouraged. Amen? Isaiah 28, 11 through 12. This is a way to pray that I usually resort to immediately. Um, and I know many do. It says, For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people to whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. This is in Isaiah. This is a long time ago. Well, it's speaking forward to the infilling, the pouring out of Holy Spirit and the prayer language that the body of Christ will be given. And that is, it's talking about that is, this is the rest. And when I had that, in, that situation this week where I was faced with, you can worry and get all anxious or just chill out, well, I didn't know why it was, that was coming on me. I knew why the enemy wants to just always screw with you, right? So I just began under my breath just praying in other tongues. I just began to pray in the Spirit. And actively refuse thoughts of anxiety and worry. And I'm like, Lord, this is a way you promised that I could enter into rest this way. I'm doing it. I'm at work, you know, doing my job. I can pray in tongues and do my job. So I can even pray in tongues and chew gum sometimes. It makes it even more fun sounding. But anyways, that is a tool that God has given us as born-again believers filled with the Holy Spirit to counteract the enemy's schemes and the enemy's temptation for us to step into a place of worry and anxiety. That place of rest. And I, I mean, I'll tell you, like I said, that's the first way I typically pray. And in this situation, you know, when I'm facing, you know, I'm, it's time for Fifth Sunday and I want to give a message. The vast majority of the time, I'm praying in the Spirit, asking God, asking Holy Spirit to bring the interpretation 
to me of what I'm praying out to make my understanding, my mind fruitful to know what I'm praying out. Because I don't want to come up here and just say anything. I want to say what He wants me to say. I want to share what's on His heart. I want to speak what He wants me to speak. And I do my best to, to, to get in line with what, the way He's leading me. Do I do it right all the time? No. I, probably half the stuff I've said, maybe I shouldn't have said. I don't know. Just the, the, the ad-libbing and all that stuff. And, but that is a key saying. I can't encourage you enough in your prayer life. Instead, pray about everything. Don't sit that beautiful gift aside. Stir it up and act on it and begin to pray. And If you're not filled with the Spirit of God, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit and don't have that prayer language that He promised us, all you got to do is ask. Just like salvation. It's a, it's, a, it's a full package. Amen? Just say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Baptize me. You know, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. So let me restate that. Just say, Jesus, baptize me in your Spirit. And I receive my new prayer language. It's as simple as that, folks. It really is. And if you want further prayer with that, come see me. We'll get her done. So 1 John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is greater, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So like I kind of just said, the one who knows everything about everything lives in us. And he is interceding for us on a continual basis. And right before this verse, this 1 John 4, 4, it talks about overcoming. Well, right before those verses, it talks about the spirit of Antichrist. That's who has been overcome. And we're seeing that spirit wreak havoc in our world today. Is That, that kind of goes without saying, but I just said it. So that's, we have overcome because He has overcome. and We are in Him. We are world overcomers. So be encouraged with that. Let's go on to the rest of verse 6. It says, tell God what you need. Okay, does anybody do that? That's another thing I lack. Well, and I'm quick to not do that. But uh, in James 4, 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. How many try to do everything in their own strength all the time and then finally be like, God, all right, help. (laughs) Sometimes that's the best prayer. Help! And I've done that quite a few times, help. But um, most of the time, what we need to ask for is wisdom in a situation. Right? Wisdom. Jesus has been made unto us wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Number one. Numero uno. Principal thing is number one, right? James 1.5 in the New Living Translation says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So He won't find fault with you even asking. He won't say, You dummy, don't you know this? I've taught you this a hundred times. You've heard this a hundred times. No, He's not going to do that. He just wants you to believe that you'll receive it when you ask for it. It's really as simple as that. But uh, I'd say the vast majority of the time when it comes to a situation is to simply ask for wisdom. That's his desire, is for you to walk in his wisdom. In Matthew 6, 8, so this our Heavenly Father knows what we need before we ask. And then you're like, well, then why do I got to ask if he already knows? Well, here's why. So knowing that he already knows, 
we're going to see, this kind of gives us an indication of how we should approach him. So, okay, we're going we're gonna to see this. The last part of verse 6 in Philippians 4. It says, and thank him for all he has done. So, yes, he knows what you need before you ask him. But this is the attitude we approach him with. Psalm 104 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. So this is the attitude we approach him with. It's an attitude of gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I jokingly say, I feel like I read this verse all the time, but if you want to know what God's will for your life is, here it is. In everything, give thanks. Not for everything. In everything, no matter how dire it looks, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So no matter what you're going through, that's God's will. So let's walk in God's will. Can you imagine just as a parent, right? As a parent, we're all, a lot of us are parents, most of our parents, grandparents. Can you imagine if every single time your kids wanted something new, they first sat you down and said, first of all, mom, dad, I just want to thank you. And they just list off all this stuff that you've done for them. I just want to thank you and show you my gratitude for what you've done for me. I believe you're a good, good mother and father. What would that do to your heart? What would that do to your heart? I pictured this. I was sitting on the couch going through this this morning and I heard Rod Serling, the original guy from the Twilight Zone, saying, imagine if you will, a family. This child, you know. Are they dreaming? No. You're in the Twilight Zone. You know. So, it was funnier in my head. Um, but, it wasn't a great show. I think I'm going to go watch it after this. But, just imagine as a parent, as a grandparent, if your kids actually stopped and did that. I'm not saying mine don't, because they're wearing it out. They're constantly telling me how thankful they are. Amen? Is that faith talking? All right. <laughs> Needless to say, having an attitude of gratitude is so, so key in walking a life free of worry and anxiety. If you have in the forefront of your mind, you're constantly cultivating a heart of gratitude, you won't have time to think about what's not right because you'll be so wrapped up in how good God is to you. I mean, that's so simple, but it's such a, such a profound truth. So let's roll right into verse 7 here, Philippians 4, 7. It says, so after you do this, you don't worry about anything. You pray about everything. Tell God your needs. Don't forget to thank for His answers. Then, this is what He wants you to walk in. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Peace is way better than stress and worry. Amen? Way better. God desires for His children to walk in peace. Isaiah 26.3 Here's a way to do it. And I kind of just Maybe pointed to that, but says you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you 
because He trusts in you. So if our mind is always stayed on the Lord, always stayed on His goodness, always stayed on the fact that He is for me, not against me, always stayed on the truth that all things work together for my good, my good because I, am, I love God and I'm called according to His purpose. If you're so wrapped up in that, peace will surely be the experienced result of that. And Mark 4.38 says the economy... Well, this is what stands out to me when I see Jesus and a display of peace. So, anytime I'm, you know, feel led a certain direction, a message, I'm thinking, okay, what does this look like in Jesus' life? How did this manifest? I mean, there's countless... Um, countless places we can see this, but the one that stands out to me the most, and it's kind of funny a little bit, I mean, people have done a funny way of, of, of telling the story, but when he was, he said, let's go to the other side, right? In the boat, disciples, in the boat, I'm taking a nap. Jesus is taking a nap. And the, the storm is so bad, the disciples are accusing Jesus of trying to kill him, basically. Like, trying to wake him up. Don't you care that we die? And he's asleep. To me, that's, I don't know if he was faking. I don't think he was. But to me, that's supernatural peace in action. He believed what he said was going to come to pass. Let's go to the other side. And he just like, well, time to nap. I got a lot to do after this. But that's a beautiful picture of peace. So his peace, obviously, and we see different accounts of this, is not based on exterior circumstances, right? Remember when, um, remember when he was wherever he was, and they came to him, and Lazarus is sick, he's going to die, and they were like, hurry up, Jesus! And he stayed three more days. He, that was, he didn't have peace to go then. He did what he saw his father do, he said what he heard his father say, and he walked in peace. And that's where peace was. Now, they were a little unrestful. They were probably a little mad. But he didn't get bent out of shape. And we know the end result. He walked in peace. Peace was his umpire. Right? I don't have the address, but there's a, a scripture that says to let peace be your umpire. What does an umpire do? An umpire calls the shots. Right? If you don't have peace about something, I've been in these situations multiple times, I don't have peace about something, then I don't move forward. And I just stay back. And then later I usually find out why I didn't have peace about that. And I think we've all, we could probably all attest to some sort of a, a story like that. So Jesus said in John 14, 27, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. So, He's even saying, let not. So we have an opportunity to let our heart be troubled or let not our heart be troubled, right? Neither let it be afraid. This peace is not dependent on all the craziness of the world. And that is such good news. But unfortunately, the world, their peace is. Well, Jesus is saying here, I got a new dose of peace. I got a way better, I got a way better dose of peace for you than and what the world gives, because it's all 
predicated on what's going on, what you're experiencing. And we're to, we're to look like Jesus did when he walked the earth. He was led in peace. He is the Prince of Peace, right? The Bible calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. He is our Prince of Peace. So let's continue on in verse 7. It says, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So Proverbs 4.23 tells us, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And some translations say, Out of your heart flow all the issues of life. So many times when I'm talking about guarding your heart, most of the time it's watching what goes in your ears. Watching what goes in your eyes. Your heart is made up of your spirit and soul. Soul is mind, will, and emotions. So what comes in through your eye gate, your ear gate, gets into your heart. And then we can see what's in your heart because it comes out of your mouth. Right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this is another way that we see our heart can be guarded is with His peace. And that starts back at the at the beginning of verse 6. It all leads up to that. He wants you to walk in peace. That peace will guard your heart and your mind. And how many knows the mind is the battleground? I know it is. Joyce Meyer said it was. Battleground of the battlefield of the mind, right? So, so out of our heart come all of our issues. So it's so important to watch what goes into our heart. Because I don't want to deal with your issues if it's not good. What goes into your heart. Nobody wants to deal with your issues. they got their own issues. But we want good issues. We want things to flow out of our heart. We were promised that out of our innermost being, out of our belly, will flow rivers of living water. Right? Living water. And that brings life to people. I've said it before, I'll say it again, but the one major takeaway from last summer when we did that alternating series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the one takeaway that really hit me hard was the prayer, Lord, make me a blessing to others today. And that was really, that's, that's part of the whole gifts of the Spirit in the body of Christ is it's blessing the body of Christ. But it doesn't just, it's not just, you know, um, that, limited to that. It's any arena in your life. And uh, that's just been the, the prayer every single day. I probably missed a couple days, but every single day before I get out of the bed, that's the first thing I say, Lord, make me a blessing to others today. My wife will tell you, I haven't been a very good blessing sometimes. I'm not perfect, but... Um, that's my prayer. I want to be a blessing. And if that is like your goal, if that's a goal of yours, it'll happen. God is going to make sure somehow you're a blessing to somebody else. I don't care if it's something small or big, but let that be the prayer of all of our hearts. So here we go. Galatians 5.22 Regarding peace, Peace is in a list of fruit that Galatians 5.22 talks about. Fruit of the Spirit, right? Which again is the nature 
of God. So when you come to Jesus, you're like, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. The Bible says you're born again. Your spirit is reborn by Holy Spirit. And you get a new nature. And that new nature in it has love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And you might be thinking, hey, I got shorted on some of those. Well, that's, that's not the truth. The truth is, it's in you. And you need to know it, first of all. The Word just tells us in Galatians 5.22. And then you have to believe it. Everything in our life is walked out by faith. So maybe when it comes to peace, Holy Spirit, I yield to peace today. Just like that thing I talked about at work, that's part of what I was praying about. I thought I could yield to worry, I could yield to anxiety, or I can yield to peace. And I could yield to Holy Spirit and Him to do a work in me and to lead me down the path of peace. Because peace is in me. So I stopped and I was like, I yield to peace right now. I wasn't feeling peace. I wasn't feeling warm fuzzies. But I knew peace was in me. Because the Word says it's in me. And I know self-control is in me. Because the Word says it's in me. I don't care how I feel. I know it's in me. So first, I acknowledge, I think it's in Philemon, acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. I may have that book wrong, but you'll find it. But that's one good thing is to start acknowledging, even when you don't feel it, which a lot of times you won't, but acknowledge those good things that are in you in Christ Jesus. He, You know He's for you, right? He wants to help you walk out everything He's provided for you in Christ Jesus. He didn't leave anything missing. Your cup overfloweth. The table is abundantly full. So God is good. But again, his desire is for us to walk in that peace that and he wants us to walk so much in it. He has actually equipped us with peace in our spirit man. So so we need to rule that battleground I just kind of talked about, which is our mind, right? So Philippians 4.8, I also saw this in the slide in the opening, which is funny. But the Word says to meditate on these things. So this is a, this is a pretty easy list. I think we got all this down. Meditate on these, these things. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are of a good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. What is meditate? To mull over it. To, to, to mutter it. Like it, it, The illustration is the cow chewing the cud. It brings it back up, chews it again, gets all the nutrients out of it. So, this is the list of things which has nothing to do with what's going on in our culture today, for the most part. But this is a list of things that we are instructed to meditate on. And then in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, out of the voice, I like this verse. And you can actually pray this verse. I heard this taught by Dutch Sheets. You can pray this verse over a loved one, over somebody you know is battling whatever in their mind. And that's where the enemy comes in with, he attacks our mind, right? He's a, he's a liar and the father of it. So this is a great, 
bit of scripture. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. The weapons of the, war, of the war we're fighting are not of this world, but are powered by God and effective at tearing down the strongholds erected against His truth. We are demolishing arguments and ideas. Every high and mighty philosophy that pits itself against the knowledge of the one true God. We are taking, this is the key part, we are taking prisoners of every thought, every emotion, and subduing them into obedience to the Anointed One. So when I pray, and I, I've prayed this over friends, I've prayed this over people, I've prayed this over family members. If I know somebody's battling something, there's a, an attack against their mind, I pray this, I cast down vain imaginations. Vain imaginations are anything, is anything that, that goes against what God says. It goes against the truth of the Word of God. I, I, I take authority over those. Vain imaginations. Because the enemy will bring those thoughts in. And then we have a choice. Do we want to ponder on these? Do we want to grab them as our own? Or do we want to resist them and, and cast them down? And I just commend every thought I take them captive, those thoughts over people's lives, I take them captive to the obedience of Christ. If they don't line up with what God says about that person, I cast them down. I, I, speak, those, I speak death to those lies that are coming their way. You can do that however you want, but you have, especially as, as parents, as grandparents, you have the authority in Jesus' name to go to war, because our war is not against flesh and blood, I don't care if person, you know, people are looking crazy. We want to attack the people, but it's the spirit behind them that is that you're seeing a manifestation through the people, right? So our war is not against flesh and blood, blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness. You know, it's the Antichrist spirit that's on display that we see in this world. But as far as it concerns you, your family, and everything, I challenge you to pray these things. You see somebody keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over. Something's wrong. They're thinking wrong. Their thoughts are not lining up with the Word of God. Something's wrong. So maybe pray, ask Holy Spirit to help you. Pray over them. Say, I cast those vain lies that they're believing that would lead them down a road of death. Because this devil comes right to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's the first thing is to steal the word out of our heart that's been sown into our heart. He wants to steal the truth. Believe, they want, he wants them to believe that lie. And then again, the end result is death. Whether it's, it doesn't have to be physical, literal death. It could be the death of a relationship, death of your finances, death of your whatever. But the enemy always wants our destruction and he comes in so Sneakily. But you can take authority over those thoughts, especially in your kids. Because it's insane, and I'm 100% sure of my opinion on this. But you see the alphabet group, I'll just say, um, the influence on the youth, right? And how it seems to exponentially grow. Well, it's, you know, 10, 15 years ago, another voice of reason entered the scene called social media. 
And when you're staring at the heroin in your hand called your cell phone, and all, you know, kids, you know, globally are seeing, or at least in the United States, we're seeing this, but just an exponential rate of the rise. You're, it's just the enemy bringing lies, and it's like, oh, this must be what's wrong with me. I'm, I thought that thought. This must be me. And that other voice of reason has come into play, and you can see his scheming and just the the anti-Christ spirit at work in our culture. And we, believe it or not, we are given the authority over it. We are overcomers over it. And there's no need to worry about it. Let's get on God's side. Let's line up with Him. Say what He says. Do what he does. It's, it's not against flesh and blood. The war is not against flesh and blood. I didn't mean to say any of that. So, yeah, apologize, but it's what we're seeing in today's uh, today's day and age. So, going back to this thought, this this mind area, the arena of the mind. How do you how do you know you've taken a thought? Like when the enemy brings a thought to you, he brings a lie to you. How do you know you've taken that thought? I'll tell you how you know. Because you start saying it. Matthew 6.31 says, Take no thought saying. So when the enemy comes in and wants to bring a lie or bring a discouraging word to you or something's wrong in your physical body and you start saying, Oh my gosh, I'm going to this is going to kill me or whatever. I mean, that's kind of taking it to an extreme, but that's how you take a thought is it comes out of your mouth. And out of your mouth comes life or death. Are you going to align with life who is our good heavenly Father? Are you going to align with death who is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Satan. So that's where the battle lies, right? In Romans 8.28, I kind of just quoted this a little bit ago. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And that's really one thing I've been praying a lot. Just about a year ago, I just I was just facing some things, and I just read this Scripture, and it just kind of came alive to me. And especially when things look kind of nutty and weird in your own life. I even did it this week. I'm not sure how this is going to turn out. But I know that it's all going to work together for my good. Like, I had about four or five things going on but at this, this weekend that looked crazy impossible to actually happen at the same time. But this is the prayer I prayed. Lord, I don't know what's going to come out of the end of this, but I know it's all going to work together for my good. So I'm completely putting it into your hands. He said, cast all of our care on Him for He cares for us. Right? If He's caring for you, you don't have to care. So I just want to pray, declare this, Second Peter 1-2 over you. I want to declare that may the grace and perfect peace 
cascade over you as you live in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That's really my heart, is that you were just encouraged with this. Something in here encouraged your heart. But just realize that He wants you to walk a life of peace. He didn't design us to carry worry and stress and anxiety. You can go down a scientific road and all the people who are specialists in the brain, they can tell you that in the natural exactly what it does to you. And I'm sure we've all heard levels of what it does to you. The stress. We were not built to carry stress and all that stuff. And according to these verses, we don't have to. So, I would encourage you, if don't just let this be the last time you hear this. I'm sure there's somebody out there that preached this better than I did. But these are very, very key verses in a child of God's life who desires to walk in victory. And uh, God is for you. And if He's for us, who can be against us? Amen? So we're going to close in prayer. We're going to have one last song of worship. And um, if you need prayer, uh, just come up and... um, I'll be glad to join with you. I'm sure Pastor Chad would. But um, we're here, and we're a family, and we just want to encourage you. So um, I'm going to close in prayer. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.